The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Hi, welcome to The Exchange. I'm Katrina Hamlin, Breaking Views Asia Production Editor in Hong Kong, and today I'm speaking with the author Leta Hong Fincher in New York. Leta has just released her latest book, Betraying Big Brother. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Katrina. Now, in your book, you argue that China is pushing women towards traditional roles in the hope of fostering social, economic and ultimately political stability. In a nutshell, Beijing wants babies. Is that it? Well, uh, it is a little bit more complicated than that. Um, Yes, I mean, um, the Chinese government is extremely concerned about falling birth rates. Mm. And that's related to an overall perceived demographic crisis with the aging of the population and the shrinking of the workforce and also slowing economic growth. So as the government looks towards the future, it realizes it can't rely on continued economic growth to sort of co-opt the population and and um, ensure the legitimacy of the Communist Party. And one of the things that it has been doing quite aggressively for a number of years already, is pushing particularly urban, educated Han Chinese women into getting married and having babies. Um, And and that is related as well to the easing of the one-child policy. And it feels like this has sort of intensified in the last few years. Is, Is that your impression as well? Well, absolutely. First of all, the Chinese government did begin easing the one-child policy just just a, a couple of years ago. Um, and now this year it, it instituted the two-child policy, but now there are reports that, that it may even eliminate the two-child policy and perhaps remove birth restrictions in the future. And it is related as well to an increased tightening on civil society and just tightening control over the population in general. And as as an example, um, Xi Jinping uh, earlier this year abolished presidential term limits. And so that was a pretty Mm -hmm. drastic turn away from many years of leadership by consensus um, and and term limits. So so there's been a a turn towards more authoritarianism in general. And um, along with that has been increased pressure on women to return to the home um, and to sort of reduce women to their traditional roles of wife and mother. I, I imagine that uh, this is not easy to achieve. Um, it's, it's not very easy to, to coax or coerce women or men to have more children, right? So, so how is Beijing going about this? Well, they are certainly not succeeding, um, and they've been trying for quite a few years. But in spite of the fact that the government has, has eased the one-child policy and, and it's been bombarding particularly urban couples um, in Chinese cities, that it's been bombarding them with a lot of pronatalist propaganda, been experimenting with all kinds of incentives 
to try to get couples to have more children, but so far there is absolutely no evidence that um, these, any of these efforts have succeeded. Um, at the same time, there's actually a lot of evidence that, that women are really recoiling from this new pressure. Um, it, of course, it's women in the end who have to give birth, and so the women are the ones who feel the pressure to marry and have babies most intensely. Um, and, and for decades, women bore the brunt of the very draconian population planning control policies that were extraordinarily coercive, as, as a lot of people have documented, with widespread abuses of, of women's rights and human rights in general. And so today, increasingly, women, uh, not only do they not want to have two or more children, which is what the government would like, um, it would particularly, it would like urban educated women to have more children, but, but a lot of women don't even want to have one child. Um, and and there, are, there are a number of reasons why that is. And you mentioned incentives. What sort of incentives have they been trying? Well, they're really only beginning to propose incentives, but mm. so far there, there hasn't been anything that's really attractive. So, so it's more talk um, because ultimately any kind of incentive that, that might even stand a chance of working would, would have to involve a lot of, um, a lot of benefits uh, offered. So, so there are some, some offers of maybe housing or education benefits or, or tax breaks, but, but by and large, it's coming in the form of propaganda so far. Um, and, but I'm rather concerned that over the next few years, we're going to see much more punitive measures to, to really try to coerce couples and particularly women to, to have more children and, and possibly abortion restrictions. Mm. This seems like a, a very radical turnaround in a way. Um, in the past, working women, factory girls have been a very big part of the Made in China story. Um, and there's the old Mao cliche, women hold up half the sky. Um, there have been very high numbers of women in the workforce in the past, right, before these efforts. Well, this is one of the really remarkable changes over the last few decades is I mean, in the early communist era, the Chinese government held up this principle of gender equality, and they, they had probably the, the world's highest female labor force participation rate, and they deliberately uh, assigned women jobs in, both in factories and in, and in the fields, um, and this was all part of an effort to boost economic growth boost industrial development for the new communist nation under the planned economy. But then uh, when, when the government introduced market reforms in the 1980s, and particularly um, as these reforms sped up towards the end of the 1990s and into the 2000s, the female labor force participation really plummeted. And it's not just female labor force participation, but we've seen a, a, across a wide variety of criteria quite dramatically rising gender inequality. In my first book, I actually wrote a lot about the unprecedented gender wealth gap that was caused by this incredible real estate boom and the fact that the majority of 
women in China had really missed out on, on an enormous accumulation of property wealth as the country privatized property that was previously uh, just allotted to the population. So um, th there are many ways in which market reforms have really left women behind. And so, but what, what is really new is that women in the last few years have begun to become a lot more aware of the sexism and misogyny and inequality in their own daily lives in, in Chinese society. And a lot of young women, uh, particularly those who've gone to college, have, have begun kind of claiming the label of feminist, or even if they don't claim the label of feminist, they're, they're speaking out a lot more about the injustice in society and demanding equal rights. And, of course, most recently you see that with, with the Me Too movement that's really caught, caught on in China. Mm. Um, in your book, you contrast this idea of a, a grassroots women's movement um, with the state's master plan, which you call a movement of women. In, in what way do these two things clash? In the past, uh, the, the rhetoric, Surrounding gender equality has been entirely top-down, coming from the Communist Party, which declared after the revolution in 1949 and the establishment of the People's Republic, just proclaimed that women are equal to men, and henceforth all women are, or most women are going to go to work. They're going to be liberated from um, these feudal, so-called feudal traditional roles in the home. They're going to work hard to, to build the new China. And so women streamed into the workforce. But you never had a real spontaneous grassroots uprising um, or, or movement of women that wasn't orchestrated or that wasn't, that wasn't really um, planned from the top before. Is there a and, sense that Beijing is, is sort of afraid of allowing that to happen? Oh, well, there, there, there's no question. I mean, Beijing, the, uh, the Communist Party is, has long been afraid of any kinds of um, organic or grassroots movements because they could potentially form a, a, a kind of political opposition. Um, so but this is the first time that you've had a real independent feminist, emerging feminist movement with grassroots activists who uh, have nothing to do with the government. They're supporting gender equality and they want equality for women, which is officially what the Chinese government stands for. But it's the way that these women are mobilizing and, and expressing their beliefs, independent of the Communist Party, that is, that is perceived to be a threat. To the government, it's perceived to be a threat. Um, that, uh, but but it's also quite extraordinary how these messages of women's rights and, and gender equality, how these messages resonate so deeply with millions of women across China. And so th this is what I believe is going to make it extremely difficult for the government to just kind of wash this women's rights movement, because it's just so widespread and popular, and so many 
particularly young women, really identify with with these messages of of equality and and um, it, women's emancipation and and, and justice. Mm. Um, you mentioned the Me Too movement, and um, it occurred to me that if, if your book has any flaws, it's that um, so much has happened since you finished writing it, which I think was um, in April, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's happened with the Me Too movement since then and, and what that might mean for China? Um, sure. <laughs> OK, I don't want to... I actually think that um, the Me Too movement just shows that all of the... The, the, the work of these feminist activists over the last few years has really made the, the ground very fertile for something like Me Too to take off in the way that it mm. has. So um, I, I don't see Me Too as coming out of nowhere in any way. This is um, the, the feminist activists in China have been working for quite a few years. Um, and in spite of this very strong crackdown, um, including the arrest of the Feminist Five in 2015, um, the the government hasn't been able to prevent this overall um, awareness of women's rights from spreading, from spreading really dramatically, actually. And so, um, so that's coincided with just women becoming much more aware, going abroad and studying, um, and then communicating with their peers back home. And just in in recent years, there's just been a a real, what I describe as a feminist awakening. And and the Internet has played a role in that. It's played a very important role, which is really remarkable, given the very heavy Internet censorship um, the fact that there is no press freedom, so there hasn't been any really deep investigative reporting about sexual assault or sexual harassment cases. And so the, the fact that Me Too has taken off, um, in, so it has really exploded in recent months. It's just, um, it, it, I think I see it just as, an, um, as an, a sign of the, the success of of these feminist activists to begin with, but now it's it's gotten much bigger than just a small number of political activists mm-hmm. at the center because it, it's just become so popular. And, and that makes it an incredibly complicated challenge for the government today. And, and that's why I believe that the, the women's rights movement and the overall awakening among young women, the greater awareness, among women about the need to stand up for their rights, I believe that this could be, um, in the long run, a really transformative for Chinese society. And we, and uh, it's really quite an extraordinary moment that we're we're witnessing. And and um, and I think it's going to be very, very hard for the government to, to just stamp this movement out. I'm very glad that you were able to come and speak with us about that. Um, So thank you for joining us. Thanks to Sharon Lam for helping to produce the programme. And thanks also to you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to check out our website, breakingviews.com, where you'll find our review of the book and also more agenda-setting columns and podcasts. That's all from us. Goodbye.